Scene 3. The Return of the Martinet of War. Malarkey Market at Thor's base, Shentlepiece City, Wit Sun Day's Eve, Compline, Night, 27th of May, 1284. Gone is the sweet, lovable young elf who was so pampered by her father. Tonight a different Florence steps onto Thor's base. There is anger in her eyes, a mystically evil sword on her hip, and a party of undead thralls at her back. Her red cloak is dirty and prickled with dead leaves and broken twigs. Her curly, dyed blonde hair has lost its bounce and its black roots show. Hey, beautiful! I heard my girlfriend's back! It's Nganyan, dressed in a dashing military uniform. Not far behind him stand Officer Bunsey and another Justiciar Leaguer who was one of Nganyan's former cronies when he was nothing but a rebellious teen. Nganyan's got a confident and affectionate smirk on his face, hiding his guilt behind a romantic mask. Hey, liar, your girlfriend's back and you're going to be in trouble. Nganyan looks around as if Florence must be calling someone else a liar. It's late at night. The plaza is empty, but Nganyan feels the need to put on a show. Florence isn't in the mood for nonsense. I've been gone for a long time, but I know about your cheating. Has someone been spreading lies that I was untrue to you, darling? Let's put it this way. If you don't break off your betrothal to Mademoiselle Zena tomorrow, you're going to be sorry you were ever born. Tomorrow? The paperwork alone will take a week. Sir Balrock grabs his cheeks, lifts him, and squeezes. Florence's patience runs thin. Monsieur Lynx was engaged to Mademoiselle Zena when you proposed to her. Should we ask him to sign off on your registry? Nganyan struggles, but cannot break Sir Balrock's grip on his face. He tries to speak. Hela Dela! What did you say? Hela Dela! What's the matter? A white's got your tongue? She snaps her fingers and says, Drop him. Sir Balrock lets go. Nganyan gasps for air and mutters, He's kind of big and he's awfully strong. Florence sneers. So, what about the paperwork? Nganyan is still clutching his face. Monsieur Lynx died in an ambush on an Ivy League quest. That's a pity. I really liked that kid. Hmm. That means that Mademoiselle Zena is the only candidate left. Did they call off the election yet? Actually, there is a candidate. What? Who? Me. You? But you were like, oh, I don't want to be umpire-in-chief. I only want to see the love of my life, Mademoiselle Zena, become umpire-in-chief. That was the love potion talking. She gave me a love potion. I wasn't in my right mind. You know I only... She slaps his face. Stop! In the name of love, before you break my heart. That really hurt, and your lame excuses are only making it worse. Never mind how it started. End this infatuation, or Sir Balrock here will cut you down to size. I've tried so hard to be patient, but it's over. Capiche? Oh, darling, you know I only have eyes for you. Are the stars out tonight? I, I can't tell. You sparkle. Oh, cut the poetry. Just hold me tight and tell me you love me. I love you, and I promise I'll never let you go. Florence gives him a sly grin. Never say never. I'll never win with you. Never. Their tender reunion is interrupted by Officer Bunsey, who points to his comrade. Excuse me, Mademoiselle Florence, but do you want Junior Officer Paris and I to, you know, mosey on home while you two enjoy your moment in the still of the night? 
She unfurls herself from Enganyan's arms and asks, Actually, Officer Bunsey, you are exactly the person I need right now. Did you recover my father's body and hide it where I asked? Yes, mademoiselle, I did. It ended up costing... Never mind the cost, she snaps. Now I'm back and things will be fine. Follow me. She takes them all into the secret room overlooking the council chambers and has them open up the barrel full of vinegar. Florence ignites the sword of Laban and chants, Arise, Kibler! I dub thee a servant of the black fire, a dread knight of the flame of Laban. I bid thee come back from the shadows. Arise, Sir Kibler! Her pickled father emerges from the vinegar barrel with his flesh bleached white. The damage from the fall has marred his face, having knocked out all his front teeth except his canines. The damage to his mouth is so severe that his words are all garbled. Instead, he projects his thoughts to those nearby using the black tongue of Kaldor. To ordinary folks, it just sounds like a horrid, shrieking noise inside their minds. Only Florence understands what the Dread Knight is saying. She replies in Eldric, When I left you, I was but the learner. Now I am the master. Even the Heresiarch will have to bow to the power of the Sword of Laban. The undead umpire Kibler points to Enganyan and speaks to him forcefully in the black tongue of Kaldor. Enganyan writhes in pain at the cacophonous utterances ringing inside his head. Florence stops her father, saying, He's as clumsy as he is stupid. He must obey me as his master. Her father speaks again, and she replies, I will go speak with the High Elves. They will not rebel. This will be a day long remembered. It has seen the return of the Monsieur Umpire-in-Chief, and it will soon see the end of the Inquisition. She turns to Officer Bunsey and says, Tomorrow call all the elves of Shentlepiece City for a special Thor's Enlightenment discourse. Enganya does not like the way events are developing, and he points to the monstrosity that was Umpire Kibler and asks, How do you know it's really him? I mean, that could be some kind of demon or foul spirit animating your father's body. Florence growls and chides him. I find your lack of faith disturbing. My father wishes to punish you for your faithlessness, but I have other plans. You will bring us... Dungaree Jean's Arkenstone. It's a priceless treasure, darling. She'll never... Never say never. Failure is not an option. Officer Bunsey cringes. And Ganyan tries to blow it off and pretends to be joking. <laughs> yes, master. No one is fooled. Novus Ordo Seculorum the next morning, the High Elves gather in the outdoor amphitheater behind the colossal statue of Thor, the mighty hammer-bearer. Florence steps up onto the stage and says in runic, Madames, mademoiselles, and messieurs, I am here to set the record straight. I left Tuscarora not because of my grief at my father's death, but because of the overwhelming evidence piling up before my eyes that my father was intending to subvert our democracy. In public, he encouraged all elves to collaborate in unlocking the secrets of the Black Flame to update our military technology. In private, he had been secretive about his own experiments with the Black Flame so that he could raise up an undead army with unquestioning loyalty to him alone. The crowd gasps. My father intended to use me as a puppet umpire-in-chief. To that end, he bullied all my rival candidates out of the race except Mademoiselle Zina, because he figured he could use the scandal involving her nomad stewardess to discredit her without knocking her out of the race. That tactic backfired. It so enraged the garden gnomes and mountain dwarves that they aided the Inquisitor in orchestrating my father's death. During my exile, I endured many hardships, 
and have had much time to think about the injustices my father was committing, I have resolved to set them all straight. There is no time to go into all the details now. The bottom line is, I succeeded. I have mastered the Black Flame, and I intend to share that power with you, O superlative High Elves of Shentlepeace City. Florence draws the sword of Laban and intones the words, By the power of Laban, I have the power! As the Black Flame erupts from her blade, wild applause and cheering erupt for the return of their exiled princess and her newfound power. Florence continues holding the flaming sword above her head and says, I have paid a heavy price to obtain this weapon for ye, O famed high elves of Tuscarora Mountain. Our enemies resent our superiority. Even now the Inquisition is gathering a crusade to take this sword away from us. Who among ye chooses to surrender this new technology and throw ourselves on the mercy of the Inquisition? The audience looks at her, watches her, listens to her, and hears her, utterly stunned. Is this the same Florence who left Shentlepeace City only a few weeks ago? The skin on Florence's hand holding the flaming sword starts to redden. It cracks and blisters. She pays no attention, nor does the crowd. Instead, she shouts, With this black flame, I have reanimated long-lost warriors, including my father. Behold! From the back of the crowd, a heavily battered version of umpire Kibler, with white skin and no teeth except his canines, presses through the audience. The giant dwarf is right behind him, crushing benches and scuffing the polished hardwood floors with his heavy boots as elves dive out of his way in panic. In the giant dwarf's wake follow twenty or more undead whites. Umpire Kibler and the giant dwarf, Sir Balrock, go down on one knee and bow their heads to the black flame. Florence shouts, who among ye chooses to surrender these new undead warriors and throw ourselves on the mercy of the Inquisition? Now hisses and boos circulate through the crowd at the thought of cowering before the Inquisition. Florence shouts over their voices, I say let the fire elves master both the unquenchable elf fire and the mystical black flame. Who among ye chooses to stand with me and fight? The crowd gets up on their feet and applauds wildly. Louder, she shouts, Who among ye chooses to stand with me and fight? The elves are jumping up and down and screaming in a mad frenzy. Delusions of grandeur infect their minds, and they are ready to relinquish all their rights as elfin persons for the sake of latching onto the power they now see before their eyes. As if thundering with the voice of Thor himself, Florence places an amulet into her undead father's mouth. It has an arkenstone in the middle, inlaid next to a large chip of pyrite, a big glob of amber, and a dark clump of lodestone. Her father dutifully swallows it. Florence shouts, I have obtained an arkenstone which will render my father invincible. Shall we surrender it to the Inquisition, or shall we fight? They claw at their faces and wriggle around hypnotically, letting loose a wide range of emotions. They cheer and hoot and holler. They weep and cover their faces. They chant, Florence, hail! Florence, hail! At last, she sheathes the freezing cold sword and states with the dignified authority of a war-hardened commander, Your choice is made. As of today, I declare martial law. We prepare for war.